So we're doing something really different today. Um, rather than being at your place or my place in the office, we're outside. Outside in the world, in Brisbane. Actually, we're on the Gold Coast. Yeah, my place on the Gold Coast. Queensland, summer. Yeah. It's a bit hot. It is hot. Um, we're in the garden, the back garden. And so very different technically as well. Like when I edit and mix this thing, there's going to be background noise of traffic, birds, yeah. dogs, crickets, cicadas, you people farting. yelling, me farting, <laughs> police sirens, yeah. everything else you get on the Gold Coast. You know, like drug deals, yeah, like meth stuff. explosions, yeah. all the things. Hi, Tim. Hi, Kel. Welcome to yet another edition of... The Ending Goes Forever. So here we are. We're talking about our 2003 album, Take You Apart, today. Did you have a listen on the way down? I did. First impressions? First impressions, super straight. Oh, my God, yeah. So straight, clear. Yeah. Like rock record. It's our rock record. I know. It's so weird. Like, you know, apart from Ice Patrol, which was a kind of late addition to the album, we didn't really intend for it to be in there. There's basically no songs in different tuning or anything. No. So that's what I really noticed is like everything is very... Um, major chord sounding, mm. uh, really clear guitars. I mean, there's distorted guitars, but like, you know, you've got your Telecaster sound yeah, and the drums. It's like a drums and guitar album. And vocals. Oh, and vocals. Yeah. But I mean, I think what this album kind of really is, is you and Dean. Yeah, I agree. It's, yeah. It comes back to being a me, more me album. Yeah. The thing that strikes me about it was, if you remember back at that point, I think, I can't remember what year it was, uh, 2000 or 01, the strokes kind of hit in big. Yeah. And it really was like, it reminded me of when Pavement appeared in the early 90s. It was like this reset. People listened to music and went, oh, fuck, it doesn't have to be complicated and yeah. crazy busy and clever. Music can be sweet and innocent and naive and simple and be great and it was like this huge reset in music and all the bands went ah oh, yeah we can do that we can play the guitars a little cleaner and not kill ourselves and we can write straight pop songs with great hooks and it's all cool you know my impression and thinking back to like the album before and what had happened so what there was a few years in between three years three years and we had a huge break in between Kitten Licks and Rocks on yeah. the Soul. And Rocks on the Soul came out to like bewilderment, but it took a long time for people to get into yeah. that record. So I can remember back to when we were touring, I was trying to sort of think about what were we doing. Hmm. And I know we were getting bored. I know that when we were touring, I was thinking about what we were listening to while we were driving and there was a lot of The Who. Right, okay. There was a lot yes. of The Who and Thin Lizzy and yep. sort of like classic guitar rock yep. kind of stuff. And that really informed a lot of your writing around this time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is like the the classic guitar rock album. Yeah, it was like with Rocks on the Soul, we'd reached the bottom of the hole we were digging with the alternative tunings and the sort of like the very tricky arrangements and the real screen feeder in inverted commas thing. Yeah. And we hit the end of that tunnel. We were like, okay, let's just turn around and go somewhere else. And I sort of think that maybe we were disillusioned a bit with how that record was received. 
Um, and we sort of started making things a bit hard for ourselves to play the True. songs live. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we had to get another guitarist in. We had two different guitarists at different times. You know, there's a keyboard now. Yeah. Um, so we were trying to make things interesting for ourselves and that meant straightening things out strangely enough. Yeah. And I also know that I feel like looking back in my mind, cause I didn't write a lot around this period. Mm-hmm. I know I don't feel very connected to this record because I kind of tapped out in a way. Yeah. Not from the band. Cause like, I know we had a lot of fun recording yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and writing, the writing songs it and, and yeah. like, you know, there's some really great songs on this, but I feel like we were all a bit frustrated and, and yeah, I did feel like you and Dean were connecting on a musical level more than I was with you. And for me, it's kind of like a record I wouldn't really listen to because it is super straight sounding, Yeah, you know, kind of pristine and, but Magoo did such a great job on yeah, it. He really it's did. nothing wrong with it. It's yeah. just taste wise for me, I'm sort of attracted more to dirtier sounds. Well, it's also the fact that the songs being so simple in their compositions and also so simple in the way we recorded, like we totally went back to the Kitten Licks approach of a couple of guitars, bass, a couple of vocals. We didn't muck around. And at the end of the day, like the song's immediacy is all there is because there's not much else there. Yeah. There's not tons to listen to. There's not yeah. heaps of layers. There's not a million hooks in every song of every instrument. So the songs, if they're not fucking 100% at every moment, you're going to lose interest. So one of the things I remember about the recording of this was like Magoo wanted to approach it in a different way where it wasn't like all the beds, like all the drums and bass at once. It Mm -hmm. was like, let's work on a song, song by song basis. And so we would do one song and then put the drums in another room and set it all up. So it'd be like day by day instead of one or two days drums and bass. It was like every day working on a different song. Yeah. And I don't know if you can hear that. It's not that you can hear it as such, but you, the overall record has something which is a result of that. Yeah, and I would say it's potentially that each drum track sounds so live and vibrant. Yeah. Because, like, Dean wasn't just pumping them all out. Yeah, He was, true. like, yeah, yeah. we were working on one song a day, and so he was probably, I don't want to say more engaged, because he's always engaged, but probably more lively in his takes because yeah. he hadn't done 15,000 yeah, right. before it. Mm-hmm. And his drumming is a standout on it's this so record. It's so beautiful, yeah. It's My tight goodness. and snappy and it's got so much personality and spirit. So much flavor. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. Like, yeah. Yeah, so good. Another thing that happened on a slight side note during recording, do you remember one night around probably 10.30, 11 o'clock, we got a phone call. I got a phone call mm. and it was the police in Brisbane. My house was on fire. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So I remember this because you were just like, oh, okay, yep, no, yep, okay, hmm, okay. And then you got off the phone and said what happened and we were like, dude, get on a plane, go home. And you were like, no, nah, I just finished the record, it's cool. <laughs> my friends are there. 
like or yeah. whatever. Like, um, there were a few of my friends around there by then, getting my stuff out, rescuing the cat, and it was this tiny little house that I'd only lived in for a couple of months. It was a very old little what do they call it, Federation house uh, or something? Yeah, like in a, it was Red actually Hill. more like a workers' cottage. Yeah, it was a tiny little wooden workers' cottage in Red Hill, and uh, yeah, I just moved in and I was like, whatever. I've got all my instruments here. There wasn't mm. really much at home that was you know necessary for life or anything like that. It's so you, so so blase. Like, so, like, whatever. It's like your approach to driving, you know, life. <laughs> like, I just drive down the wrong side of a one-way street, mount the gutter just to get through, you know, like, yeah. whatever, you don't care. Yeah. Your house is on fire, <laughs> I don't care. Where were we? Let's keep recording. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty funny. Yeah. So I had to go home after, obviously, the, you know, recording and go around and, like, rescue what was left of my possessions. Everything stunk of smoke and I lost a bunch of stuff. Because everything had been hosed down. But it was only – it wasn't like you had a destroyed house. It was only, like, one part of the house. Well, one one side of the house was destroyed, but everything in the whole house reeked of, like – because my double bed was on fire and all the, you know, rank, freaking mattress, foam, smoke over all my possessions. Do you remember how long it was between when it happened and when you got home? Uh, Yeah. a few yeah, like days it was or something? A, no, it's probably more, like a, maybe a week at least, maybe more. God. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. And you know what? The funny thing is, there's two funny things, actually. One is that the cops found some pot in a little container somewhere in the house. I can't remember where because the cops had to go through the place and do like a report or yeah. whatever. And it belonged to my girlfriend at the time. But they said to me, look, can this just be yours just for simplicity? And I was like, yeah, whatever, okay. And they didn't do anything, but they made me go to the police station and watch the, you know, drugs can harm you video. Oh, my God. The weird. drugs make you crazy yeah. video. Like, destroy your life. So, like, there's literally this video footage of someone driving around Brisbane and the colours are all wishy-washy, like, you know, they're on acid cool. or something. Yeah, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm never touching who made, drugs. Who made this video? We should get them to do a film clip. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, that's something I've ever had to go through. So that's funny. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So it was like drug aversion therapy. Yeah, basically, yeah. (laughs) Watch this video and fill out this form. Yeah. Supporting you through your withdrawal from drugs. Your rehabilitation. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, that was while we were still recording. So it must have been over a week until we got back to Brisbane. timeline we recorded very first with magoo right a couple of days or whatever in black box in black box to record and release uh don't know what to do anymore which was the first single right so that came out before we'd even done the rest of the album and so that was like a little studio in a house in like suburban yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i was gonna say new market but yeah bowen hills and it was like the whole house was just a studio yeah very nondescript Fun place to be. Great, busy studio. Yeah, yeah really, really, really happy great. place. Yeah. And then, do you remember how long it was until we went then to Melbourne? Only would have been a matter of a month, you know. So we were down in Melbourne by around uh, March of '03. Right. So I remember writing one of the songs, You and Me, mm-hmm. at your house. You lived under a church. Oh, well, it was next door to a church oh, under a house on right. the Trope Terrace. Next door yeah. to the church under the house. And we wrote. Pretty much line for line. You and me. You and me. Yeah. And then we wrote one, two, three, four, five at my house on Jubilee Terrace. Jubilee Terrace. 
under the house yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the kitchen table with a keyboard. Um, I can't remember other songs, but I know that we rehearsed the whole time at Zero Interference. No, that's incorrect. That's we rehearsed right. at that place, which was uh, later 610 in the valley. We rehearsed in a room <gasps> in there. Oh, my God. I forgot about that place. Because I remember waiting for you and Dean one night. I was standing outside and the riff for Bunny, not that it's much riff, it's just... Mm, nail, nail, yeah. nail. <laughs> that <laughs> came nice. into my head. And by the time we walked in, I was like, I've got some chords for this. Can we just try this? And like 20 minutes later, we had Bunny. Wow. The other thing that happened at my place on the Tribe Terrace in the downstairs flat was Dean came over with some lyrics for the <gasps> first time ever. And we nutted out on a plane with just one wing. Like, his, they're his lyrics. Yes. And that was like, oh, my God. Because, yeah, I think it was the Who thing. Like, he was yes. super inspired. And uh, he came over and said, dude, I've got his lyrics. And I was like, holy shit, we got a new song. Did he have a melody for it or, like, an Don't idea? Don't think so. But, like, when I get someone else's lyrics in front of me, I can usually hear the melody straight away. Really? Like, it happens instantly. I can go, oh, okay, I know how that song's got to go. Oh, gosh. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I do it with um, Sky's lyrics and we all want to. Oh, right. A lot. Like, I actually love it. It makes writing easy. Like, someone gives you lyrics and you go, yeah, cool. I can, oh, I can sing that. <laughs> noted. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we recorded and uh, came out on a local Brizzy label we were on at the time called Rhythm Ace. Okay, so, yeah, we've covered how it's slightly more of a me album again. The songs are super straight up, simple, uh, rock and roll, rock and roll pop songs kind of thing. Yeah. As was the flavour at the time, but music needs that reset every so often, you know? Yeah, and I guess that's also the thing about us. We never did an album the same as the previous, like we... We didn't like genre hop. We were just being ourselves. Yeah. And um, But we never really put out the same record twice. And we never really worked with the same producer twice except for Magoo. Yeah, true. Um, the other thing that struck me listening to the record this morning was it just sounds like a band who's really relaxed, enjoying what they're doing and having fun and having a laugh with it and fucking killing it, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it, was, it sounds like a band's just on it and not being hindered in any way. And just, yeah. Yeah. And so did Derek play on this album? Uh, he played on some songs, yeah. Played guitar on some songs. Yeah, so yeah. that was the first time that Derek had recorded with us. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exciting times. Yeah. And so we put this record out. How did it go? This record kind of went pretty well. Like, I remember going on tour a lot, even though it was definitely in that time frame of years where touring was suffering in general across the board. Like, our tours were smaller. We did a lot. But they were smaller and we struggled a little more, to be honest, in this period of time. Yeah, I can remember that it was starting to get harder. Yeah. And just sort of, I think that Dean was finding it really hard. Yeah. And around this period of time, Dean and I were living uh, in the same block of flats. It was a house divided into flats. And, um, you know, we started to kind of talk about do we change the name like after this record came out i think it was kind of like where do we where do we go now so this is kind of the start of our like big questioning of yeah. how how are we going to do this yeah for sure were we doing big festivals and stuff still 
Well, we did um, Splendor, and we also went to America and England. We did that after this record. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we did that in 04. <gasps> that was a lot of fun. That was tons of fun. I it's actually amazing. saw some footage from us traveling around last night. Right. Uh, in the States, at, in Austin, Texas. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, so much fun. Like, that was a real, that was kind of really needed for us to, like, go and play different places. We also played in New Zealand. Yeah, and Japan. Oh, hang on, not on that same tour. No. Yeah, so during this period. So we, yeah, we finally got to do some yeah. things, but then in our true style of like, let's just do something once, <laughs> we never went back. It was not really a thing we could go back to because we'd gotten offered the um, South by Southwest gig and we got a, a string of uh, gigs around that, but it was never supported by a label. It was never based on actual demand. Mm -hmm. It was more based on we want to go and yeah. have a holiday where we play some gigs and it cost a lot of money and sure, we had an amazing time and it was great for the band, but it didn't benefit our career. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, what career? Yeah, I know. That's the funny thing That's about it. That's the thing. Like, it's like we... It, it was benefited like, our lives, which yeah. is, you know... It was heaps of fun. We, yeah. And um, we met some really great people. And I'm just going to mention that you might hear in the background off and on some cicadas. So whether that's a Queensland thing and you don't have cicadas in other places, that high-pitched buzzing sound, that's a cicada. Yeah, they come and go, don't they? They make their sounds by rubbing their wings together. Yeah, Did you know that? it's crazy. Stupid insects. That sometimes they can be deafening. In fact, cicadas, there's one now, sound like the tinnitus that I get. Wow. Mm -hmm. I remember one time I was with Pascal and we were going for a bushwalk at Mount Nebo and we walked out of the car about 20 metres into the forest and the cicada noise was so deafening and so freaking scary that we looked at each other and turned around and ran back oh to the car goodness. and drove home. Wow. <laughs> it was like a scream. Yeah, right. And yeah. the funny thing about it is they move. Yeah. It's like a radar yeah, or like you can't sonar tell whether there's five of them or five trillion of them. Yeah. And they're coming to get you. Yeah, they, they're coming to get you. <laughs> Look out. Okay, so let's go through the record then. Oh, like, there's something I want to go on yeah. a tangent about, actually, mm -hmm. if you don't mind. Listening back to all these, when I edit them, it's really like every album almost, we're like, I love this. I love this song. I love this album. I love this too. It's awesome. Yeah, we I know. love this. We're, and it's kind of like, yeah. it's weird that it's we're sitting going, we love all this. We love this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost a bit weird. Look, I totally agree. And there was something that I wanted to say about this too. It was about songwriting mm -hmm. and talking about songwriting. And when songs come for me, and I sound like such a prat when I'm talking right. about, you know, what my songs are about. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't talk about this stuff. So it, you sound really pretentious when you're breaking down what your song is. And often you don't have the intention of writing what comes out. True. And you apply the meaning to it later. Yes. Because you're in the moment and then you start to see where you were later on so I don't want you to think that I'm writing these songs with this intentional I'm going to write about yeah you know whatever yeah. and and also yes we are talking about this in a revisionist mm -hmm. sense so you know for me to listen to our records is hard because I don't normally do it yeah. and then I am just finding the things that I can really love about it mm. And that's really unusual. And so, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. Right. Also, another thing, I say the same thing three times. Oh, don't worry. I'll chop you out. 
I talk way too much That's and okay. I feel like I have to, I feel like I'm not understood. And I brought that up with you the other day about how I say things a lot or in different ways. And you're like, I feel like you don't feel like you're heard in life. <laughs> I'm like, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> but I agree. Like the songwriting thing is so simple to look back on your song and go, oh, this is about ABC. And you look at the song and go, holy shit, it really is. But mm. when you're writing it, you're just coming out with a load of shit that rhymes or yeah. you're coming out with lines that sound good. And it's only really usually afterwards. Because, you know, how often do you actually sit down and write a song about something? Never. Never. I don't either. Never, ever. That's the thing. No intention to sit down and write a song like this. Yeah. Because I can only write the songs that come out of me. Yeah. Like, I have literally no control over it. Yeah, and even a song like, say, Stopless, Mega Personal, like, you're not writing a song for any reason apart from you're in the moment and you are channeling something. And also, it's about what sounds good. So, you know, the lyrics that you choose are about creating, you know, a picture or a story. So, for me, it's a picture. For you, it's a story, usually. Mm -hmm. And... It's, yeah, literally, and I'm not going to use that word. It is just really obviously the meaning is applied much after the yeah. song's written. And it, it all kind of coalesces and makes itself into a story once it's finished. Yeah, it tells you the story. Yeah. So, yeah, I know we do sound like we're t- tooting, our, yeah, yeah. tooting our own horns. But like, and the other thing is that when you are super close to something, like say you've written a song last week, you're sweating over it and you're going, shit, is this any good? You take it to the band. You usually, even though we've been playing together so many years, like, you know, we each play a song for each other. We're a tiny bit nervous. Like, are that guys going to like this? Whatever. And you're really kind of like, you care a lot about it and you're really worried about it. And then honestly, 20 years later, you don't care anymore because it's there and it's part of history and you can actually just sit back and enjoy it. Like you go, yeah, it's fine. That's good. Yeah. I always get super nervous before I play your song and often they're not fully finished. Yeah. And so I'll be actually really worried that you won't like it and don't want to play it for you. And the funny thing is we're sitting there just going, oh, great. Here's another song. Listen to it. Take it for what it is. No problem. No stress. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. No worries. Okay, well, look, let's just have a one-second break and eat a bit of pineapple and have a drink of cold water, and we'll talk (laughs) about song for song. So another cool thing about a lot of these songs are that you play the keyboards on. Yeah. So the keyboard was funny because I don't know how to play piano or keyboard. I just, you know, plod along with it. But I got the keyboard because I was getting bored. Yeah. And we were all getting bored and, you know, kind of maybe thinking about ditching the tunings and and moving away from where those tunings were taking us. And and I was bored playing the bass. And so we we kind of started to rely on the keyboard to kick in melody ideas or like rhythm. Yeah, your keyboard lines are pretty kooky, but awesome. Yeah, Yeah. super kooky because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I got a funny story. Do you remember when we had to. So I bought this keyboard. It was like. $100 Hundred dollars from super Kmart cheap, but or something, it sounds awesome. and it's got like the Star Wars theme on it. Yeah. It's plinky plonky. It's like <laughs> your beginners thing, and it's got like all these different sounds. And there's this one sound, the wave organ, which yep. 
we've tried to replicate with plugins mm-hmm. and uh, got as close as we could, but it sounds so great. And there's a couple like, you know, the Bossa Nova beat and yep, there's like yep. this four beat that we've used in some other recordings. Mm-hmm. I hated having to take it on tour, but we needed to get a case for it. So yep. you... I don't know how you managed to find someone who had a case. Maybe it was through Gumtree or something. Well, this was like dawn of the internet. So, like, it might have been through, like, the advertiser or some, you know, yeah. paper like it that. It was a weird yeah. advertising situation yeah. where you had to go meet this guy in a car park yeah. to buy this stupid big case. And it was really flimsy. It was super flimsy. You had to reinforce it with wood yeah. and, like, pack it in with, like, foam. And I had to fucking lug that piece of shit with me. I hate lugging that oh, thing. Oh, I hate lugging that thing. Also, that keyboard just, just I don't know, managed to survive so many kickings. Oh my God, it's I've gone over so many times. It. Yeah. I've thrown it <laughs> and it's still alive and the only thing I managed to do was kind of make it so I need to gaff tape the, yeah, the power lead <laughs> the power lead in. Even up. to this day, like I'll say to you, oh, can we do one, two, three, four, five, the gig? And you're like, no, nah, keyboard doesn't work. I'm like, yes, it does. You know it does. <laughs> that keyboard is like the Toyota of yeah, keyboards. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just it's never going to die. It's like 500,000 kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> so this first song, um, Now I Don't Feel So Bad, I remember it was the last song we wrote for the record. Okay. And as soon as we had it together... I was like, fuck, this has got to be the opener. I, you know, I really was in love with it because, you know, you always love your last song the best. Yeah. It's a really fun song. The keyboard makes it jaunty, but yeah. without being, like, you know, not cool jaunty. It's got a vibe. It's a vibe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kicked around and left to drown my collars in my mouth. Left at home in summer when the kids are heading south. I feel I'm on a rope and I've got no room to run. And I don't want the fighting, but it's past time number one. Sometimes I feel like I'm a stranger in my town. I never thought that it could be the other way around. I hear what people say, but I try not to care. I can walk down the street with my own sense of belonging somewhere. Sometimes I'm in. The lyrics in these, they're often like just telling a story and it's not like a linear story. It's like um, It's just a snapshot kind of, yeah. And back then I was really like getting lyrics from everywhere. Like I'd walk past two people having a conversation and a snippet of like something like that. Mm-hmm. Now I don't feel so bad. Like literally in the shop and you walk past someone and they, they're talking to their friend and you hear that and you go, bam, there's a song. And it was one of those things, like a lot of these songs, where the title writes the song. Right. Because you just write it around the title and you know you've got to come back to it and you know you just draw a picture around it. Just some of the lyrics, like, what is it, struggling through the undergrowth? Now I don't feel so yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Passing uh, through the undergrowth. Yeah, I love it. Because, like, who's ever used the word undergrowth in a song? <laughs> <laughs> I love it when things like that happen. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so well done Thank on you. a good song. Um, not much more to say about it, I not guess, really. really. It is what it is. Um, second song is Needles. Again, it's like 
so much evidence of like all those big long car trips listening to the who yeah it's very punky it's got a jaunty yeah but i mean it's got like a classic rock and roll vibe yeah and the bass line is like the kind of thing i would have learned the bass on like running bass that running bass stuff yeah that's like super rock and roll yeah 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 kind of running bass Lyrics on this are really good as well because it's kind of like a dream, right? Oh, yeah. It's like word for word telling of a dream. So I had a dream that I was seeing some doctor and I had a problem with my heart and he had to put some needles into it to fix it. And I was like, no, don't worry about it. I'll fix it myself. And that's the gist of the dream. And that's exactly just what I just wrote it down and made the song out of it. Yeah, it's cool. tells a really great story and it's quite surreal. Reminds me, strangely, of The Living End. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's got that boom, boom, boom. Yeah, Yeah, it's the... The treatment we gave yeah. it or whatever, I just always think of the living end. Not like I'm channeling the living end, I just think of the living end. Right. We've got demos of it where it's significantly slower and quite boring. I can remember that we did run a few different ideas yeah. around how to play it's it. It's one of those songs that's so simple that it's actually super hard to yeah. nail how the feel should be. Yeah. And you're kind of like, there's so little of it, you know, intrigue-wise, you just got to nail the feel to give it what it needs. Yeah. Also, we play it as a duo sometimes. True. And it's great. Like, we slow it right down. Yeah, it's just harmonies and whatnot. Yeah, it's nice. And so this is one of the few songs I even do backing vocals on. True. And I can remember in the sessions, like, I was going, oh, can I do something? Uh, Or, you know, would this work? And I remember Magoo was like, I feel like this is more of a, you know, male vocal thing. That's another reason why I kind of felt a bit Uh disconnected from it. Not that Magoo was saying don't get involved, but it was like the vibe was much more focused on your voice and stuff like that. But when I do sing it, I think it sounds really nice. It sounds great. Yeah, it's it's important. So yeah, Needles. Yeah. We haven't played it for a very long time, but it was in the set for a very long time. Yeah, it sure was. I mean, most of these songs, when we toured, we played most of them, actually. Yeah. What about Don't Know What To Do Anymore? Ding, 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 ding. Um, yeah, so again, you know, very you and Dean song. Yeah. And it's the who yes. reincarnated. It's like Dean is Keith Moon and you're the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's flourishing guitar. It's like windmills. It's so triumphant. It's triumphant. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm going, oh, I've got to play along with this sh- uh, with this new thing we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm trying to be the Who's bass player. John Anwistle. I'm trying to be John. Ooh, well, I call. mean, I'm not doing, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to live in the space of yeah. the song in a way that's correct. Keep it so, exciting. Yeah, but I had to play differently. You know, I wasn't playing the way I would normally play, I don't think. She calls me at all And I can't help it I just gotta wait for her to call She's a blind take sun in my eyes I just stand in awe 
fucking shit at writing key changes. Like, I'm sick and all over the place, but I'm not good at it. Oh, yeah, the key change, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, we went through a long period of playing it where I sung only and I oh, didn't play guitar oh, yeah. and I okay. pranced. You pranced like a... Deer. Like a, like a pony. Yes, like a pony. <laughs> <laughs> we started doing that in the States. Right. Like in Austin, I think, was probably one of the first times, okay. I think. We have photos of you, like... As if yeah. you were Mick Jagger with like your <laughs> hand on your hip. Like, and how could I even try to be a Mick Jagger with Derek know, in the band? I know, I know. Hilarious. We did play it for a long time, but then we just haven't played it for again. No, it kind of, honestly, it got boring. Yeah. Because it's so straight and so like, here we go. You know, it doesn't hold any magic. You know what I mean? Uh, I wouldn't say it doesn't hold any magic, but I, I think we just kind of overplayed it. I don't know. Like the straightness is the thing that gets me about these songs is like, the simplicity yeah. kind of felt, it's not naff, because it's not naff. It's mm. just like, there's no, oh gosh, I'm not, I don't know what I'm trying to say. There's no magic to it. There's I think that's the thing. Like you play a song like, for example, Stopless, and you don't know what's going to happen. It's got some depth yeah. to it. It's got some magic to it. It's like a magician, you know, like, fuck, they ain't going to go out and show you this card he chose as the Six of Diamonds every night, because it's like, oh my God, they get so bored. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's, you know, like Bunny. We've played Bunny in the set for a million years. Yeah. We still play it. Yeah. We know everything that's going to happen in that song, mm-hmm. but it's still really exciting to yes, play. Yes, it is, yeah. For me also, it's literally the fact that it's built on a lot of traditional chords in a lot of traditional positions, which I actually get bored of playing. This is the thing. It's so funny that we were bored of playing stuff. So we're yeah. bringing in new elements like a keyboard and stuff. Yet we go to the most boring bunch of things like just yeah. straight tunings, which for me, I sit on the guitar if it's a straight tuning. I play G, I play D. Yeah. I might try B major. Yeah. <laughs> B major? No, what's that chord that I love? B minor. E minor? B minor. I'll play that and I'll go, oh, snore. And put the guitar down and walk away from it. And we built a whole record around these yeah, chords. Yeah, but bands built whole careers on Look at a band like Rancid, who literally build a whole career around A, D, and E. And their songs are so freaking catchy and amazing, you know? Mm. Tons of bands do that. Yeah. I just think it's really hilarious and so bloody contrarian that we are, that we go from really interesting, yeah. like, tunings and structures and, mm. and sounds to, like, a really, yeah. like, the way to break the boredom is get super straight yeah. and write with really boring chords. That is quite ironic in a way, almost. We're moronic. Moronic. We're moronic. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah, wow. And what about the video? Remember that? The video was heaps of fun. That was recorded at Zero Interference yes, was, in the yeah. studio there. And the whole idea was that Dean was the anchor in the corner and he was wearing a black shirt with a white cross. Yep. And then in the other shoot, in the next thing, he was like wearing a white shirt with a black cross. Yep. So he was supposed to be the anchor of every mm-hmm. cut. We're also wearing black and white. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's this one part of it which I crack up every time I watch it is when Dean is like, he's gotten off the kit and he starts crawling on the wall and falls off the amp and like, it's just it's so funny. That is, I remember that. It's um, good. We had a lot of fun doing that. That was hilarious. Yeah, was a yeah really fun clip. Uh, what's next? Let's have a look. I'll put my glasses on. Hang on. 
and Tigers They Roam. Oh, yeah. So this is like maybe one of the songs which I really loved playing because yep. it has that really cool bass line. And I'm like, hell yeah, this is fun. And again, it's super simple, but it's got swagger. It's so straight. It's like it's so even straight. straighter than all the ones we've already said are the straightest know, songs ever. This song for me, the bass line is fun. Yes. And it's like in your face. And there's a little change to it where it's like I get a, a little like hip swivel going right. on. It's almost like reminiscent of like say John Richmond song and they're oh. just like you know it's like Roadrunner it's like A and D you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean right. uh, it's sort of mid paced and just cruisy and it just jumps along doing its thing yeah what's it about like what Nothing. do you remember do, do you remember where you wrote it uh, no I don't I guess it's really loosely speaking boy girl stuff yeah not written specifically about anything but uh, it's just about come home, I'm worried about you out there, mm. there's tigers, there's cars, all the stuff, <laughs> you know. Cute. Yeah, that's pretty much all it is. Yeah, especially the tigers. I mean, yeah. Brisbane's hectic with tigers. Oh, it's mad with tigers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's next? Same mistakes again. Holy cow, I might have to listen I'm to this. I'm going down to the station. I'm going to get on a train. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is um, this is a super straight one. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to some demos of this recently. Yeah. And we used to do it super slow. Do you remember that? It was like, I'm going down oh, yeah. to the station. A kind of real bluesy, slow yeah. sort of, yeah. I don't know. Not I forgot say, about it. Yeah. Like when you mentioned it, I was like, oh shit, what's that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Maybe we should just listen to a bit of it. I'm going back to the city. I've got a man. I'm going down to the station I'm gonna get on a train Cause I don't know who what I say You ask me to explain I leave no notes in no number I leave my keys and my chain Yep, it's that driving drums that is the soul beat, isn't it? That's what we yeah, refer like to as the soul bum, beat. Bum, 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 and that just means that the... The snare leads. The snare leads, it's on the first. It's pretty upright kind of Yeah, feel. so that song to me just stands up. It's like it's um a piece of paper that's just been blown up by the wind and it's yeah, standing right. straight. Wow, okay. It's like a rigid person standing yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> But, I mean, Dean doesn't play it like that. He's rigid, but he's also... Relax and yeah. fluid. I think, you know, we'd learned these songs very... We wrote them quick and we learned them quick and they hadn't been sitting around for long. And when we recorded them, they were all in a very strict fashion, especially compared to how they became over the, you know, following couple of years playing them live where they did loosen up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Dean always had different influences to us. Oh, God. He's like, out of everyone I know, he's one of the biggest music fans. He loves everything. Yeah, he really does. He loves electronic. He loves reggae. He loves pop. He loves punk. He loves English stuff. He loves everything. Yeah. And so... One of the things I also very much remember about this record was that we had been heavily into The Refused. And yes. then after The Refused came the International Noise Conspiracy, which you like co-opted Dennis's yeah. look, which was a good thing because he looked great in that style. Um, so I think a lot of these songs were also channeling a lot of the international noise conspiracy, their influences, right. like where they were coming like from. mod stuff almost. Yeah, or, the mod thing yeah. and um, the garage rock stuff. Yeah, yeah. And just that rock and roll vibe. Yeah. The funny thing about it is a lot of that garage rock stuff like the highs I kind of didn't buy into and get and like much, Yeah, to but be international honest. noise conspiracy, I know that you and yeah. Dean really dug that. Yeah. And it's especially because of that refused connection. Yeah. And again, like, the refuse connection is that electronic stuff that's on this record is what Dean did on his computer. Like he started just making all this mm, random mm. electro stuff. And then like, that's like the shape of punk to come has that stuff. And we included that Yeah. anyway. So yeah, these songs, I think of Dean almost the front of my mind because you'd bring a song in and you'd go play that soul beat. Yeah. And then that would drive and pull the song along. Yeah. And then him putting that electronic song on there. Um, and then fashion had been a big yeah. thing for us, for, well, for you too. You like really bonded about fashion. Yeah, for the first time ever and the last time ever, really. Yeah, and also so Derek came into our world yes. around this time. And he was a young 19-year-old, fresh face, like, yeah. you know, kid who was into Radiohead and like, you know, really, um, I'm not going to say straight, but um, just like not lived a life I yet. guess the bigger indie rock stuff like Smashing Pumpkins all yeah, that kind of I guess yeah. there was a 10 yeah, year difference between our ages so you and Dean took him shopping for yeah, clothes yeah that's right to get him you know like shirts like you, what you were wearing yeah. because there was this thing that changed as well like the focus of the band like the music was changing into this who inspired thing and then the fashion came with yeah. that and so I'm standing there going, oh, my God, I don't know what I do here. So, again, there's just this disconnect for me because right, gotcha. it was the thing that you guys were sharing. And, yeah. and that was fun. And, I, yeah. you know, it was really fun to watch, yeah. especially because then all of our shows and our records were by Mods Are Us. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to, do you want to explain what Mods Are Us? Okay, so Mods Are Us is a thing I've put on posters and artwork for ever like it's like you know uh, our management company whoever it might be at the time and this agency and mods are us present screen <laughs> yeah. so there we are in adelaide walking along with a great friend of ours down there damien who lived there at the time he now lives in melbourne and damien turned around and looked at me and dean and we were wearing creepers and perhaps like suit pants and shit like that and he's going, where'd you guys get this stuff? Mods are us. <laughs> and we're like, no, what, what's Mods are us? We're like, holy shit, is there a shop called that? And he's like, no, dude, I'm making it up. But ever since then, we've run with this whole Mods are us thing. Yeah, for years. Yeah, for decades, actually. Yeah, and it's on all of our records now. Hilarious. I forgot that it was Damien who said yeah. that. Um, I actually did think for a moment in my memory that it was a shop in Adelaide called Mozart's. But the whole thing was people would ask us, oh, where's Mozart's? And we're like, oh, it's this super exclusive mod shop in Adelaide. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and the funny thing is, is like, you're not mods. 
know. <laughs> I'm so far away from being mods. <laughs> I know. Oh, God. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you put on a torn t-shirt and you're a punk or you put on a pair of pharaohs and you're a mod. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. you did both look amazing and you looked really good <laughs> during this period. Right. And I'm just wearing button-up shirts. And yeah, you look good too. I was trying to be Kim Deal, just like, I'm just going to wear like very nondescript clothes. You probably got out of it the cleanest. Like whenever I look back at that period, <laughs> you look kind of good still me and Dean look like dickheads. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, especially it's so funny looking back at Dean and he's like wearing, a you know, scarf. like a scarf and he's got like, did he put like gaff tape around his arm or something? <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. He was trying to do some things. Anyway, it was pretty funny. He Good got times. his tattoos around that time too. Yeah, so he's got a big arrow. Yeah. And um, what's he A target. A target. The super mod iconic yeah, stuff. Totally. Yeah, totally. That's sweet. Oh, bless. So, bringing us to the next song is one of my faves, I've Got the Knife. It's got a bit of mystery about it, this song. Yeah, I guess it has. Um, oh, hang on. Does it? Yeah, it kind of does. Like yeah. The verses, you don't really know what they're on about. And yeah. um, what do you call it? Like typical things that I wanted to work into the song was, it's going to be all right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a million songs with, it's going to be all right, baby. Yeah. You know, it's going to be all right. And so um, the chorus has that in it. Don't worry about me. It's going to be all right. Yeah. I've never seen the morning. Not give up the light. Yeah. Not give up the night. Sorry. Yeah. I love that lyric as well. Like, it's very poetic. Thanks. And uh, it's fun to play and short and simple and we yeah. get it wrong routinely whenever we play it nowadays. And it's a bit of a departure from the other vibe True. of the yeah. other songs. It's sort of much softer and sweeter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, so another big song, and well, it's the big song on the record, I guess it's You and Me, right? Yeah. Very big departure from the rest of the album and any other song we've ever written. Yeah, but the funny thing is I remember rehearsing it and writing it and it just was like, yeah, whatever, here's another song, no big deal. And yeah. And we just played it and it was fun and, you know. I really liked it. Yeah, me and too. And I remember how we wrote it and it was like line for line. Oh, where were we? Yeah, under in the flat you lived under the house next to the church. <laughs> Um, I just remember being there and writing like line for line on a piece of paper and you know, like listening to it, it's so funny because it just doesn't sound like us, but it's so us. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like some kind of, I, I feel like it's, we're trying, um, I feel like it's a big production, like right. the Rolling Stones, right, okay. you know, because it's a really simple song, yeah, like yeah, yeah. a sing-along, but that's what I see. Yeah, yeah. 
And so we had all these people that came in and sang mm. in the studio in, in Melbourne. Yeah, and it's like one of the most used chord progressions of all time. Like I've got several songs in this chord progression. Yeah. And you'd think for us that that would just be the nail in the coffin because we don't even go anywhere different. Like we literally sit on these three chords. Yeah. And uh, But I like it. I'll never get bored of it. And I think the lyrics are kind of cool. Like, rarely for us, we've got a swear word in the song. We it's like, swear. I'm not fucking beat, you know. That's like the first time and maybe the only time we've swore in a song. Might be, yeah. I've never written a swear in a, wo- in a song. Right. Pretty sure, besides that. And I remember going, oh, should we change that? And not because it's like yeah, for any reason, except for we just never... S- Chucked a sweary yeah. in there. It kind of works and it sort of seems like oh, at the right place for the right definitely, word. Definitely. Yeah. I think because we don't swear, it actually punches harder. Punches harder. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I swear like a trooper in my normal, oh, everyday too. life. Holy shit. Like, yeah. 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 Constantly. So it's not like it's someone trying to protect anyone. It's swear word to come out of your mouth. Recording this was so much fun. Yeah, it was amazing. We were in Melbourne. We had Magoo, Matt Maddock, Tylee. Yes. And everyone sang. And so when I listened to this on my way down from headphones, I think it's the third time round where Tylee's high melody comes in and it just gives me goosebumps right, okay. every single time. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Mm. And every time when we were recording and Dean would finish a take and he'd say was that okay we'd just you know put the mic on and go more Ringo dude more Ringo yeah it's a big sloppy yes I love that it's so good and like the you know the way that Magoo recorded it it does have that very Beatles-esque sort of 60s vibe and then so we didn't play it very often because we just didn't have the people to do it with and it wouldn't work without the big sing-along the one that I do remember was um, the show at the at Woodlands in yes. Brisbane when we played with Violent Soho yeah, and Take, take off. off. And we had all these people on stage like yeah. Saya and Branko yeah. and Nathan from Tape Off. Yeah. The stage was packed full of people. It was great. And Derek on keyboard. And Spiral Stairs from Pavement was playing guitar. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. It was such a beautiful moment. To have other people singing your songs, like it doesn't happen very often for yeah. us, but... And I do remember this also in the studio. I was just covered in goosebumps and right. I was just kind of like, don't forget this moment. Don't forget this yeah, moment. Right. Be in it now. Yeah. Really amazing. I feel like this song's really special. Yeah. Yeah, I really like it. And it's right in the center of the album. So it's like this sort of like you arrive there and then you're on the back half of the album. Yeah. And then it kicks out into Bunny.
one line that I love about the gun. Uh, they made a gun in the shape of a girl? Yeah. Right. I love that because it's like, you know, danger. Right. Like um, a weapon, like right. using a woman as a weapon okay. type thing, which doesn't sound great saying it, but in in the context of the song yeah and how innocent it just kind of pops in there it's like it's a really um weighted thing oh wow okay. yeah do you right. know what i mean yeah 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 Yeah. but you know it's like you've been to jail yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. out on bail <laughs> yeah breaking parole and then it's about a bunny <laughs> yeah <laughs> good song nice work tim i'm gonna pat you on the back thanks cal back pat received I don't think there's one gig we haven't played this song since it was written. No, I don't think there is. We've been playing it solidly for actually it'll be 20 years this year. Oh boy! All right, you so are. back to <laughs> back to on a plane with just one wing. Dean's song, yeah. this little mod, upbeat little kicker. So I think of because I know that Dean wrote this, and you know I can just see him in his little Ben Sherman shirt underneath a nice little V-neck jumper. Yep. With his nice slacks and his nice creepers, carrying his little airline bag. Haircut just so. Haircut just so, shaved twice, up and down. Dean was fastidious about yes. his appearance, and he always looked good. Yeah. Like, flying for him, it's funny he would write a song about flying, because mm. whenever he flew, he would get dressed up for it. Yeah. And that's where I got this thing, oh, I have to get dressed up too, because <laughs> Dean's getting dressed up like it's a big thing with flying. It's funny enough. It is, it's funny. Um, now I don't care. But there was this, like, we're going to be on an aeroplane, so we've got to look smart. <laughs> it's a big deal. Maybe it's a public thing, like being out in public. Yeah. I mean, you get seen at airports. People see you a lot. You, obviously, these days you take photos of each other. But, like, you know, it's like this thing. Yeah. Like then. Originally, it didn't have that ending, you know, that, I'm singing, baby, just get yeah. it. didn't have that. Magoo was like, yeah, you should put an ending on this, guys. You know, right. what can you do? Can you rustle something up, a bit of a sort of, like, bring it all back home kind yeah. of thing? And that was uh, definitely an arrangement thing I do remember Magoo putting in. He didn't do a ton of that stuff. No. Uh, but he was amazing to work with, that said. He was the producer that we worked with out of all of them who had the most to do with the actual songs being um, yeah, written. Yeah, he was concerned with the overall uh, presentation of the song, mm. what it would do and how it would end up 
being, you know, in terms of more than a song, in terms of a feeling and a piece of the puzzle, in mm. terms of a piece unto itself. Yeah. Lots of fun, but I feel it strong. I woke up with my makeup on. I've been stretching out across the lawn. I've been waiting. Before I said, is it, I got the knife. It's got a bit of mystery about it. Right. I think I really meant makeup because oh, wow. makeup's okay. the one that does have the most mystery. Okay. I love the idea of waking up with your makeup on and a man singing about that. Right. Um, and it's like, did you have a makeup phase recently? Not recently. When I was probably like in my late teens, I had in Townsville a brief makeup phase, oh, yeah. believe it or not. The Townsville And goss. that was not well received by anyone apart from like the one dude and girl that I was sort of like hanging out with at the time who were kind of my they were the ones inspiring me in that direction but yeah super random and weird yeah <laughs> are you talking about somebody else when you're singing this song um not really talking about anything I'm just coming up with lines that sound good mm. and the whole like stretching out across the lawn you know we've all been at parties where you've fallen asleep on the grass and stuff like that yeah I think around this period like the early noughties we were partying a lot, yeah. essentially. Like, not crazy ass, but like we were going out a lot. There was yeah. lots to do. We'd go to Rick's every night, yeah. things like that. Um, the valley was in a really good mm-hmm. spot. Like the valley was cool and great and lots of people went there and the, the bars were good. And it was, it was kind of pretty up time. Lots of fun, but the feeling's strong. I woke up with my makeup. It's funny you mentioned that this period of time, like a few years, so after um, Rocks on the Soul came out, we toured and we partied a lot. I mean, we still partied with the other records and releases and stuff, but we partied more at home. Yes. Like I remember going yeah. out a lot more in Brisbane yeah. around this time and we hadn't really done that. I think we toured less. Right. I remember being at more of a loose end uh-huh. a lot more often. But I think we, because we live around the corner from each other, uh, you and Dean both lived there in Hawthorne Terrace, is it? Uh, Street? Hawthorne Street. Yeah, yeah. And I was around the corner on Arthur. And so we'd see each other all the time. We'd get together for dinner or cards yes. or drinking or whatever it was, you know. There was a lot of socializing, but a lot of drinking in yeah. the valley. You yeah. know, I was on the binge drinking train well and truly, staying nice. out until 5 a.m., you know, drinking at Rick's. And you could get a cab home cheap and stuff because, you yeah. know, it was like a good sort of time for doing things like that yeah so this period of time just reminds me and i think this is why i didn't write a lot because Uh i was out Uh i was really social and a lot of brisbane centric shenanigans yeah basically because i guess we're touring maybe a little less as you said right strange huh yeah Mm. fun times like brisbane was really going off then yeah it was good i remember it 
And there was lots of parties and stuff. Like we were living in uh, Paddington, essentially, Red Hill, Barden, that area. And it was still super affordable and not mega flash like it is now. And there were tons of people, like the Intercool guys lived up the road in Red Hill. And there were enough people in the neighborhood that you could yeah. kind of like get to Saturday night and you're like, okay, let's do something. And half an hour later, you were doing something. Yeah. Do you remember we gate crashed that party on. Um there's a street near McGregor Terrace, and it was like this old house. And we all got in a van and went to this party, and we're like, "We're oh, starting this party." Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, and we we're all dancing, and but like we didn't know anybody. No, we just we knew didn't. the party was on, and we like literally all piled out of a van, yeah. walked in, and just kind of took over this party. And it made it like really great. I think we almost had a bit of a thing, like we're this sort of like hire a party. Like yeah, we felt gang. like we were at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember actually at that particular party using the phone to call my dad in England. Oh boy. <laughs> I remember being at another party. Like this was one of my things, yeah. like going to parties and having a bonfire. And I kicked down so many fences, oh, wow. like back fences, like they were already falling over. Like I didn't kick down brand new fences. You know, I remember Dean came over to our house in Alongo Terrace one time and we went foraging through the back of our yard for pieces of wood yep. and then finding fence palings uh-huh. <laughs> and using them for the fire. That's what the neighborhood used to be like. I know. It was funny because now it's all not it's like so that. so renovated and hoity-toity. Yeah. And like, if you had a fire now, you'd... You'd get in trouble. You'd be in trouble. I got in trouble for having a fire out of the terrace. Like I was burning off some shit in my side yard one day and the yeah. freaking fire guys came around and hosed the crap out of it. And I was only having a fire in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> they were like, dude, if you ever do that again, you're paying for this. Well, do you know the story of like uh, we lived at Inaugur Terrace and it was on the side of a hill yeah. looking out over the city but also at the other hill of Red Hill. So Right, yes. We were at the top of one valley. Mm-hmm. Across, the ha- across the valley you could see all these other houses. We were having the wedding reception of um, Kai and Nico. So Nico was from uh-huh. Bud and Kai was Jock's sister. Um, Jock lived at the house. We had this massive party house. Yeah. We had the backyard all set up. We had this massive like bonfire. Like it was literally enormous and it wasn't even lit yet. It was like a pyro yeah. triangle ready to go. All these people came. There was food everywhere. Everyone was dressed up. And then we set the fire off and everybody in the neighborhood called the police. Oh, my God. And the fire brigade. Because it was so big, it yeah. looked like the house was on right. fire. We lived next door to the steepest street in Brisbane. Yeah. And we heard sirens. We could see that there was a truck trying to... Because it wasn't on the street. The, the fire yes. was in between. Yeah. The, halfway down the, the block kind halfway of Halfway down yeah. the block. The fire brigade was at the bottom of the steepest street. And <laughs> I had to go walking down there. And I rode up the steepest street in the fire truck with the firemen telling them, we're just having a wedding reception. Like, it's totally fine. They're like, no, no, I'm really sorry. They brought their water things down. Hoses. Their hoses. <laughs> their water things. They brought the hoses all the way down. Everyone's standing around. They're going, oh I'm really God. sorry everybody. And they extinguished the fire. Oh. And they were like, we're really sorry. Like, but we have to. And everyone was sad. But, and you know, that was pretty wild. I mean, the neighborhood could have gone up. Those poor fire guys. <laughs> they were really bummed out. And everybody was bummed out. Yeah. But we had a really great time. I got to ride in a fire truck up the steepest street. It was a bit scary. I thought we are going to like not Top make it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. That's my story. It's a good one. Thanks. Good times. So that all comes from makeup. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Falling asleep with your makeup on, stretching out across the lawn. Yeah, I parties. really like that imagery. That's nice. Yeah. So what about your song, The Space It's Left? For more than three days, moved out even in light 
why I only wrote one song. I feel like maybe I was a bit of a mess around this period of time, like the previous couple of years. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of interpersonal stuff, mm-hmm. potentially. Not a lot of stuff in my diary. I didn't write about anything to do with this record. Yeah. Um, I feel like... Uh, so this song is about a breakup. Right. And I did break up with my partner. Right around this time but this song isn't about that uh-huh. weirdly enough but it's from a book called Intimacy by Hanif Karishi oh wow okay it's about a breakup but it, the word that I always remember about was like where the silence that mm-hmm. it brings between two people and that's what the chorus is right and um, the rest of it's kind of like I guess things that you know about what happens in a breakup mm-hmm. um, wanting to get out um, just the looking at the objects around the house. Yeah, and the domestic like that. stuff, yeah. like the kettle screaming, yeah. and you know, and that the starts off with like you know, haven't spoken for more than three days, and then it just keeps going back to this you and me are silence. Yeah. But and it's not silenced like in past tense. It's we are silence yes. because of this. Yeah. It's a good lyric. Like, yeah, it's kind of cool. It is, and it's from that book. And I don't even remember much about the book, right. to be honest, but that writer did a lot of writing for uh, TV and... Um, Buddha of Suburbia? Yes, that okay. guy, yeah. yeah. And I loved that book, and I'd like to go back and read it. But that's what that song's about. It's, it's not about me. It's a sweet song. Like, you wrote the, the chords and the music and everything, right? Mm. Yeah, and... I was expecting that maybe that song wouldn't even make it onto this record. I know that we recorded a demo of it in Black Box, uh, and it was very much more ornate. There was tons of like melodic guitar lines going on and stuff like that. And uh, we ended up stripping it back and mm-hmm. making it really quite sparse and cutting down on the melody and yeah. letting the vocals do the work. One, two, three, four, five. What do you feel when you hear that again? Uh, it sounds so straight. It sounds so contained and squished in. It doesn't right. sound big and expansive. Uh-huh. So I remember writing the keyboard line and like what we were talking about before is, you know, using the keyboard as a tool to open up new possibilities with songs. And, and it's all black keys, right? It's all the black keys. And so, yeah, it's just a little thing on the black keys. Yeah. And it... It's fun to play, like it's really fun. Yeah. It's a cute little line. And then that turned into a song. Yeah. That it's like a counting song because again it's this uh, naive you know the Sesame Street influence yeah, from when right. Pascal okay. was a baby and we wrote it together didn't we? 
Uh, we wrote the music together. Yeah. You definitely yeah. wrote the lyrics. Okay, right. Yeah. Yeah. And we made the video for it up in the Troubadour. I hate that video. I hate that video it's too. It's the worst video ever. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I also was in tears at times editing it because the camera had moved and it was supposed to be like one shot mm-hmm. that dissolves into all these people showing up right. in it. And the camera got moved and nothing was looking right and working on Vegas, which I'd never used. And you'd come over and go, no, I don't like it. And I'd be like, oh, I don't know what to do. And it was such a huge drama. Yeah. I hated it. You know, this was when computers were like really expensive. And slow. And super slow. And I had to move all the frames. Like I had to like get a shot yeah. and then line it up with the other shots. And that just meant like rendering for fucking hours. And it was very stressful for me. Wow. You know, I, I did kind of half watch it not long ago and it wasn't as bad as I remembered. I guess everything gets a little bit less bad with time, right? Yeah, but there's some funny things that happen on it. Like there's Simon from Seconden yeah. and Phil from Intercooler. Some randoms I don't even know. Yeah, that's right. Dean and me. The Dean's just buried in the background on the drums. Anyway, I'm just like looking like a fucking idiot in that film clip. Let's not talk about it anymore. Okay. There's a lot of places So quite a way before we recorded the album at all, we wrote Ice Patrol mm. and we put it out as a single kind of in between the two albums, right? Right. I remember recording it with Matt Maddock and mixing it at Sci-Fi in the Valley, which was the new improved Dirty Room, the same studio. We recorded it and he mixed it. He might have mixed it at home in Melbourne, actually. I can't remember, but he did everything. And it's a song I remember writing when I was living at Mirabooka Road in Ashgrove. So quite a bit earlier, and I came home from watching a Something for Cake gig that night, and I was like all inspired, and I sat down and wrote Ice Patrol. I didn't know that, and I've always thought this was a very Something for Cake adjacent oh, song. Wow. okay. I'm on Ice Patrol, I'm looking out for ways we could be crushed. I fly above the secret sea, checking out what we can trust. Controlling my balance is an instinctual I must remember to really try I feel if I move or fall Like I've been shaken loose inside So I was really surprised It was on this record Listening to it, I forgot it's got different tunings. It doesn't fit in with the vibe of everything else on the album. It's got a different sound. Like, it's got a very much more polished sort of sound. It should have been on Rocks on the Soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was written more around that time as well. Most people wouldn't even think twice about that, but we know. So it's yeah. kind of like, whoa, that's strange. Yeah, it is weird. Uh, it kind of works as a last song in a way. Like, it's got a last songish kind of vibe. Oh, it really does. Um, the lyrics I got from, I can't remember, the lyrics must have come first. Like, I must have had them before I sat down and wrote the music because it's about a program on TV I saw about this ship that goes out in the Arctic Circle from, like, Newfoundland or something. 
and they're literally the ice patrol. They're the international ice patrol, and they go out <laughs> and freaking blasting apart icebergs that would otherwise pose a shipping hazard. Yeah, right. But then what happens about, uh, must have been like 15 years ago now, perhaps more. No, no, it would have been about maybe 12 years ago now. The real legit ice patrol dudes from there wrote to me, remember? Yeah. They wrote me a letter saying, hey, we've heard your song. It's pretty cool. Here's some, uh, here's a patches. sticker and some patches and shit. I've got a patch still. I've still got one of the patches. <laughs> I've got one of the stickers on my guitar. <laughs> and uh, they send me this stuff and they're like, hey, we've heard your song. It's amazing. That's so lovely. Yeah. yeah. Aw, did you write back? I must have done, yeah. Yeah, you didn't strike up a relationship with, I think like, I must have written back saying, have you got any more merching lay on us? And they didn't ever write back. <laughs> Can you please send me more things for free? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound like me at all. No. I, I love that because, like, that's super cute. And it's, like, a really obtuse thing to write about. And, you know, documentaries that you've got absolutely no interest in the subject matter and until you watch it yeah. are fascinating. Yeah. Like, I saw one of the best documentaries ever about elevators wow and i don't even care about elevators i just saw it and it was fucking fascinating wow because remember either this album or rocks on the soul i wanted to call elephant elevator escalator i know and you're welcome to use that at any point for anything else you ever want to do thank you and and i just don't like that as an album title that's okay it sounds like more like you should be writing like an alphabet album for the kids. Maybe I should. For little kids. Yep. <laughs> Do you say little kids or mental kids? <laughs> I said little kids. Because it sounded like to me I said the kids. I right. meant little kids. Like little children. Yeah, yeah. Toddlers or whatnot. Elephant, escalator, elevator. Elevators. Yeah. So it means that's E, obviously, right? Oh, God. Yeah, I shall, like we did play it live quite a bit. Every time we listen to it, it's like, yeah, it's got all the stuff you need yeah. to make this song. But then you try and play it and it's a touch hard. Like, I can play it. Yeah. bit boring. But it's weird because it's a complicated song. It's, it's complex. There's yeah. lots of parts. And I actually really enjoy playing it right, because, okay. you know, I'm all over the bass. I'm up the top. You know, I'm You're doing the all back, these. Di- I'm at the back. The I the spin strap. it around. Yeah. I put it behind my head. Yeah, I do think that it potentially think that people might find it boring. I don't know. I know you find it boring. Uh, we just got mega short attention span when it comes to live songs. Yeah, you know that's why it's a songs long song. like that fall out of the set. Songs which are simple, like you know, Tigers falls out of the set because it doesn't keep us going. Yeah. Wow, you know, music video also. I love this video. Yeah, me too. Because it's really weird. And um, I used to work in a library at QUT and I found like they were throwing away all of this old 16 mil film stuff. And because this library was part of a university, they had all these different topics. And so this was from the dance section. The video is actually a free form, or not free form, but like... um, uh, Interpretive? Well, it's not interpretive because it's an actual dance that they do, but it's like... Not a traditional ballet 
type dance and it's just from a New York dance studio. It's from 1971 or something like that. And I projected it and I filmed it and I cut it up. Mm -hmm. So the dance is actually called The Ocean. So when you watch it without it being cut up, it's um, them, the dance is ebbing and flowing like the ocean. They move backwards and forwards and they slow down and they lie down and stuff. And so I use all these bits to kind of go along with the motion of the song. Wow. I remember it was on Rage one night and Justin from the, the label talked to me about it one night. I think he might have been a bit out of it and he was like, what on earth <laughs> is this I'm watching? Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, it has that quality of like, what the hell is this? I love it for that reason. And back then, like when you had footage that was film footage, really the only way of getting it to some way you could use it was to, you know, project it and refilm it yeah. onto your own format. I've you got, got an, an ant. on your mic. <laughs> <laughs> There's an ant on my mic. Sorry. That's um, right. So, yeah, and I did that a few times and I got, like, quite a few really interesting reels of film from there and they threw away all these books. It was actually quite depressing. Wow. That's just one of those things that libraries do. Just stuff from the past going into the bin, the great big bin of human history, right? The great big dumpster fire we'll of life. up there one day. <laughs> If we're not already. <laughs> and that's the podcast. <laughs> So in about 2020, we finally got this album out on vinyl, right? Yeah. On our own label, Modern Morning. And we were going to go on tour and COVID and all the stuff. But we dug out a few more songs. We remastered the record and we found that there was a song that we'd recorded at Black Box with Mugu that we'd completely forgotten about. Uh, We'd only recorded the instrumental. And it was a song that both you and I had completely separate sets of lyrics for. And we'd never really got to the definitive, all right, this is going to be your song or it's going to be my song. We even made a weird kind of hybrid demo where we both have singing on there but it's the song that ended up being called start again from here and we yeah we had the instruments recorded and it sounded great and when we put out the vinyl we you know scraped around for a few bonus tracks and we decided to run with your lyrics and we recorded them with Derek and it actually came up a tree right yeah it, came it really, up really did lovely. yeah so you had your set, which was like a whole different melody yes, it and was, yeah. feel and everything. And they, yeah, we tried to make them work together. Like some of yours and some of mine just didn't work. And so we, you ended up making a music video type thing with um, bits and pieces of our lives. Yeah, childhood photos and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. about looking back, a very yeah. big looking back yeah, yeah. song.
let's talk quickly about the mixing because we mix it in a different studio uh, on the same trip. It was a studio called 001. It was in Collingwood, just near the Tote, a small studio, yeah. like a jingle studio almost. Like there was no room apart from the mixing room from memory. Yeah. And so we'd all hang out on the sofa playing cards <laughs> while Magoo just slogged it out at the desk. We were mixing three songs a day. Right. And it was super good, like because the songs – because they were simple. Yeah. By the time we got to mixing, they'd more or less mix themselves. Yeah. Right? They were sounding pretty close. Yeah. So Magoo just ran them through the outboard gear, the compressors, whatnot. He'd turn around and go, what do you reckon, guys? And we'd say, oh, can you give it a tiny bit milky guitar here or whatever it might have been? And we just banged them out. Uh, it was pretty easy and satisfying and fun. You know, do you remember that? I just remember being in the control room and playing cards a lot. And that's when we did this. We were like really annoying yeah. because they were trying to work. Yeah. And we were playing cards and like, you know, yelling and stuff. Then we just developed this thing called the quiet yell. Yeah. Can you give us a demonstration? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that's probably not a very good one. But it was just like yelling, but, but really quietly. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my god, we did a lot of vocal damage because that actually takes a lot of. Oh yes, it's not good to do that. We yeah. were just annoying the hell out of the group. But anyway, yeah, we got the record mixed, put it out, went on tour, did all the stuff. So I guess, Kel, that's the end of Take Your Part, right? We did it. We've we done did an it. outdoor podcast. We've done a field recording. We've done a field recording. Apologies if you've been literally, like, traumatized by the cicadas. Everything is going to be okay. Everything will be okay. But just know that screaming sound is what I go to bed with every night. Wow. And that's Inside the price and you outside. pay <laughs> for providing the world with rock for 30 years. Yeah, I'm okay that's with that. Made peace with my tinnitus or tinnitus, whatever you call it. Yeah. So next episode is Pop Gill, mm. which is really the last of the episodes about the full albums, right? Yeah. Uh, we chatted about maybe doing an episode about perhaps together Felicitator and Delusions of Grandchildren, yeah. two EPs. Yeah. Bookending more or less our albums, yep. which would be kind of cool, right? Yeah, we should do that. We should, because they're both interesting records. Um, so what do you got on for the rest of the afternoon? I am doing a radio show yeah. in Four Brisbane, Four Triple Z, uh, and it's so funny. I've turned into a broadcaster all of a sudden, like podcaster, broadcaster on the radio. anything you don't do? Yeah, anything well. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? I do everything half-heartedly and pretty badly. No, I love doing the radio. I did radio when I was 16, uh-huh. and I'm doing it again on a show called Heyday, and I just love it. It's so much fun, and um, it's giving me life. Wow. Yeah. Giving you life. Wow. Yeah. Like, last week, I was very sad because a very close friend of ours died. Yeah. Dave Chalinoff from Sounds Like Sunset. Yeah. And it'd been a whole week, and I went and did the radio show, and I wasn't feeling like it, and we just started playing songs from whenever we just played whatever we wanted mm-hmm. and we just had the best time we laughed I cried like I cried with laughter because I was having such a fun time we were dancing uh-huh. it's just really silly and it just made me feel like friendship and music is the life giver 
you know. Oh my god, it's so is. But it's so the funny thing is, it's so easy to just get derailed and forget that, yeah. and just get distracted, and then you come back to it and you get this <gasps> moment. I had the best night, and then so after the radio show, we all met up at Phil's house for our own memorial for Dave. Yeah. And our friends in Sydney were having one as well. And we just all sat together mm-hmm. and caught up, and we hadn't really seen all of our friends. Like there was only a few of us, was nine of us all together, but we were just all hanging out, and we didn't have to explain anything about what had been happening. Yeah, we just caught up as people who hadn't seen each other for ages, and yeah, it was so great. I don't know. I'm very sad about Dave Chalinor passing, and it's made a big impact on me. Should we finish the show with a Sounds Like Sunset song? Yeah, let's. We played a bunch of shows with yeah, them. and They're an amazing Australian band. If you haven't heard them, everything they do is gold. And there's a really beautiful Brisbane connection with them. They recorded and put out, um, well, they put out their last album on Tim Guitars. Right. Tim Records. Yeah. Phil, who's our drummer, is also their drummer. Yeah. And there's just this really nice connection. Yeah. And so... This is in memory of Dave Chalinor. Okay, let's hear it. With that, thanks, Kel. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for coming down the coast and hanging out in the garden with me. It's been really nice. Let's say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye.